0: nine nine five gold that's eight three three nine nine five gold eight three three nine nine five g o l d
1: pure talk believes in american values and that free should mean exactly that free switch to pure talk today and get a free samsung 5g smartphone Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Just go
0: to puretalk.com slash clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, puretalk.com slash clay to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk.
2: more details.
3: He's the host of his self-titled radio program, heard nationwide. Here's Michael Barry in for Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
4: What a show we have for you today! Dr. Peter McCullough will be coming up in 30 minutes. The most downloaded podcast that Joe Rogan has ever put up—in almost 2,000 of them—he has sparked quite the conversation. Followed by Jim Jordan. January sixth. Why wasn't he on the committee? Why are they even having a committee? Is he going to be hauled before it? Why did they alter his text? He'll answer. David Pivtorac has brought a case against Smith University for Smith College for harassment against a white woman for being white in the name of critical race theory. That's going to blow your mind. You won't believe this is really happening. It's bad. Then we'll take some calls. And then we'll finish out the show with a tribute to John Madden, the legendary coach who has passed. But we start the show with Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome.
5: Michael, good morning. Good to be with you. And in honor of John Madden, I just want to observe as we go into what bowl games we have this year that, you know, if you score more points than the other team, You're usually going to win those games.
4: I was going to ask you to conclude the discussion if you had a John Madden uh, uh, impersonation. You love to do impersonations badly, A, but you love to do them. (laughs)
5: It's not that I badly love to do them, it's that I love to do them
4: badly. Correct, correct. Well, uh, not only did John Madden pass yesterday, but so did Harry Reid. And there has been a rush to describe Harry Reid as a tireless fighter for the weak and downtrodden and, and saint the man, as one will do. And while none of us wants to speak ill of the dead, it's important that we be accurate. Um, I dare say uh, Harry Reid was uh, a nasty individual in what he did to this
6: republic.
5: Well, I I served with Harry, and and I'm going to follow the adage of not speaking ill uh, ill of the dead. Um, I I certainly wish his family the best, and and we are praying for them. Um, And and he served in in public office a long time. Um, I I disagreed with him. I disagreed with him strenuously on a lot of issues. And and Harry and I battled for a number of years. Uh, I, I, I will tell one sort of softer story about Harry which uh, is that I think he is the only senator and certainly the only Senate majority leader to have locked another senator in his garage <laughs> and and the backstory of this is is Harry when he was uh, I think when he was a house member was was had a house in in northern Virginia uh, and he was uh, good friends with Mike Lee's father, Rex Lee, who was the Solicitor General uh, under Ronald Reagan, and and they're both Mormon. And Harry had a—I forget the term, but it was it was like a an elder. He he was a, a a local leader in the church, and Mike was a teenager. And Mike would play with Harry's son and uh, quite a bit. And as I said, Harry was one of the leaders in the church under whom Mike was was being taught and Mike and, and his son were at Harry's house playing, and they were in the garage, and Harry thought it'd be a funny prank, and so he locked the door and locked both his son and Mike in the garage and left them there for some time, which I, I, I to this day, give Mike Lee grief about uh, uh, Harry Reid having locked him in the, in the garage.
4: Mike Lee is a good man. Y'all, you and Harry Reid sparred quite a bit. He was very angry at your filibuster over Obamacare. He called you a schoolyard bully, which I thought, first year in the Senate, that's a big compliment that he's already a schoolyard bully. But here was the line. He said that, quote, unlike Rubio, at least Ted Cruz has a set of values. Uh, Well, I I guess that's as close as you're going to get as a compliment from that guy, huh?
5: Yeah. Look, I mean, he was – I forget what the issue was, but there was one time where he was on the floor and he was – beating the crap out of me he was just coming at me and then kind of midway through he turns over and winks and then just keeps going back to it and uh you know that was he 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 was a tough fighter and some of the fights he won some of the fights he didn't win um i think some of the fights he won uh, were harmful policy for the country but but he spent his lifetime fighting for what he believed in and and, and that you've got to respect even, even if what he believed in is, is not the same thing you and i believe in.
4: it's interesting to see how the democrat party moved to the left during his 50 years of public service 30 years as a senator and biden yeah. sort of mirrors that here's harry Reid in 1993 saying something you can't imagine a democrat would say today
1: if making it easy to be an illegal alien isn't enough how about offering a reward for being an illegal immigrant no, no sane country would do that, right? Guess again. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child, we reward that child with U.S. citizenship and guarantee a full access to all public and social services this society provides. And that's a lot of services. Is it any wonder that two-thirds of the babies born at taxpayer expense Country-county-run hospitals in Los Angeles are born to illegal alien mothers.
4: You can't imagine hearing that today, can you?
5: No, you can't. And 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 on immigration, I mean, you can pull up clips like that from, from Chuck Schumer. You can pull them up from Hillary Clinton. You can pull them up from even Barack Obama. Um, you know, there was a time when Democrats at least pretended to care about securing the border you can pull up clips like that from joe biden where where they all uh mouth the words that securing the border matters um and and indeed you could get democrats to be willing to cooperate on some elements of border security it was it was an area where bipartisan legislation was possible Um, today the Democratic Party, they made a decision. Biden has made a decision. Kamala Harris has made a decision, which is they've handed the party over the agenda to the radicals in their party. And on immigration, uh, the radicals believe in full open borders. And they they have promised we will not enforce the border. Anyone who wants to come, they can come. And and, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing utter and complete chaos on our southern border. The, re- the reason we've got over 2 million illegal immigrants who have crossed the border under Joe Biden, the highest rate of illegal immigration in 61 years is because there aren't any Democrats anymore who will give that speech you just played from Harry Reid. Politically, they decided they need to cater to the crazies instead, instead of articulating common sense principles that that most Americans agree with, which which ironically is what Harry Reid was doing uh, in that speech.
4: Well, it is um it is disturbing to think that the party no longer shares the values they once had 20 years ago and they're obviously in pursuit of some group of people that doesn't believe we should have borders and as barbara jordan another noted democrat said in 1992 at, at clinton's uh, nomination uh, a nation without borders is not a nation at all the same thing she had said in 76 when she gave the keynote at the at the joe biden um, at the joe biden nomination senator cruz i'm going to ask you to hold with me for just a moment i want to speak to sure. uh, i want you to speak to joe biden saying there is now no federal solution after saying there was i i agree with him but why the flip the, the strategic move and does that mean that we do away with the mandate what the supreme court will do and then i want to spend some more time on illegal immigration senator ted cruz is our guest i'm michael barry in for clay Travis and Buck Sexton, coming up.
3: Half their brains tied behind their backs, just to make it fair. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network.
6: Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023.
0: Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone.
1: There's no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last,
0: Just go to puretalk.com slash Clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Clay to switch to the cell phone company my family relies on Pure Talk.
4: I'm Michael Berry in for Clay Travis and Buck Sexton all week coming up in our next segment. For the next four segments, we'll talk to Dr. Peter McCullough who was on with Rogan recently in a podcast that has gone very viral. He charges some pretty tough stuff regarding vaccines, mandates, treatments, and the like. We'll have that discussion with him. Senator Ted Cruz is our guest. Senator, a year ago, Joe Biden, just after the election returns came in, wrote, this crisis demands a robust and immediate federal response, which has been woefully lacking. He offered and promised to solve the problem using the federal government. Now, as he's walking away from D.C., he says there is no federal solution. I welcome that response. I know you do as well as a federalist at heart. But why the strategic change?
5: Well, you know, it seems to me there was a certain former president uh, who told the governors that there was not a federal solution, that it was going to have to be addressed at the state, told them that two years ago. Uh, and the media lost their minds. They, they they said that Trump was a heartless killer who wanted everyone to die. Uh, and now Biden is saying what is obvious and true. Listen, listen, this is a disease. It's a virus. We've taken steps. We've taken extraordinary steps. The most significant element of a federal solution is, is the step that, that Trump took, which was Operation Warp Speed, uh, which... Cut through the red tape, cut through the regulations, dramatically shorted the timing, and enabled the development of three vaccines. That was a federal solution, and it was one that occurred before Joe Biden was ever elected uh, or became president. Uh, what Biden has done since he became president is he's broken every promise he's made on COVID. He said repeatedly on the campaign trail. I will not shut down the economy. I will not shut down the economy. I will not shut down the economy. And what we've seen since he came in is we've seen shutdowns. We've seen school shutdowns. We've seen small businesses shut down. We've seen Democrat authoritarians willing to destroy your lives, shut down your lives. Biden also repeatedly said that we should not have a vaccine mandate. And then he flipped on that. When he wanted to change the topic on Afghanistan, he was getting beaten up because of his disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan. And so the Biden White House announced a whole series of vaccine mandates. Those mandates, they're illegal. They're unconstitutional. They're an abuse of power. And almost to a person, every single elected Democrat supports the government forcing you to, to, to take a medical procedure, to take an injection, whether you want to or not. Even worse, they support forcing your children to take that injection, whether you believe as their parents they should or not. That is wrong. You know, my view on vaccines, I'm pro-vaccine. I've been vaccinated. My family's been vaccinated. But but I believe in individual liberty. It's your choice. It's your right. You ought to be be able to make your own medical decisions without the government forcing you to comply. And, And Biden has broken his promises over and over again in that regard.
4: Well, I don't. Th- I'm not sure these vaccines work, but we can have that conversation another day. I do have to ask you, um, based on your voice and knowing it well, are you suffering from a cough, runny or stuffy nose, sore throat, or fatigue at the present? Uh,
5: Doctor Barry, I'm, I'm not actually. I, I'm, you sound I'm like feel, you' are. feeling good. I I, I I appreciate it, and let me just tell you right now: if you pull out a rubber glove and 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 tell me to sing moon river i'm, I'm going to object to that so, right. so, so so there are the the the, the, the radio friends relationship is not quite doctor patient and there <laughs> there's some things i'm saying no to
4: all right so you don't have covid right now that's all i needed to know
5: i do not i d- d- do not have covid
4: so if there's no federal solution does does that uh does that indicate a, a strategic move away the supreme court's about to hear the the vaccine mandate case how does the supreme court rule uh, ass- knowing of course that the chief justice could at any moment declare it a tax and say they can do it do they strike it down and if they <laughs> do is it done is it finished
5: you know i don't know i think it is very good that they scheduled this as an emergency argument um that was the right thing to do um that the, the argument is going to be in in a week um, and and this is massively fast for a case to be argued at the Supreme Court. That's a recognition of the urgency of the issue, of the immediacy of the issue, and of the, the how many people are impacted by it. Uh, if you look at the court decisions so far, most of the court decisions that have been issued have struck down the mandates. The, the Fifth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals, where the circuit in which Texas uh, is, is uh, has concluded at least as an initial matter that 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 the employer mandate for private employers is likely uh, illegal. Uh, however, the Sixth Circuit and these cases were all transferred to the Sixth Circuit. The Sixth Circuit disagreed. The Sixth Circuit um, concluded that, that, that they were legal and in and, and, and a decision explicitly in a great length disagreed with the Fifth Circuit. I discussed the details of those decisions in, in um, great precision and and actually my latest podcast as you know michael i put out a podcast every week verdict with ted cruz and the latest podcast goes into these decisions in in real detail explaining what's going on uh but how the supreme court's going to come out it's going to be close it's not clear where the justices are i think as a legal matter it ought to be clear i think it it is a slam dunk that that in particular the private employer mandate exceeds Uh, the authority that that, that Congress has given to OSHA. Um, I'm signing on to an amicus brief with a number of other members of Congress making exactly that argument. Uh, But if you look at the Supreme Court on mandates, they've been a little bit all over the map, that that, that they have a couple of times declined to step in and take cases. There was a case out of New York where a bunch of New York healthcare workers were being fired, doctors and nurses, over the vaccine mandates. And the court didn't take it, which which means that, that four justices did not uh, vote to hear the case. Uh, there was a passionate dissent written by that, by, by Neil Gorsuch, uh, Justice Gorsuch's dissent. I commend to everyone. It, it's very well written. It is powerful. Uh, but it does raise real concerns uh, about where, where the votes are. And in, uh, I don't know where... Uh, I, I don't know where... Chief Justice Roberts is going to be on this. I don't know where Justice Barrett is going to be on this, and and so I hope it's a clear decision striking down the mandate that should be the answer. But but it is very much this this one could come out either way at the court.
4: Wow. I don't know how many conser- supposedly conservative justices we have to have to ever win an issue. Senator Ted Cruz, thank you very much for your service. Thanks for being our guest. Coming up. Dr. Peter McCullough. He argues for early treatment. He argues that hydroxychloroquine works. He argues that Fauci and others are hiding information from us. We'll let you we'll let him make those arguments and discuss them at length. Coming up, I'm Michael Berry, in for Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
3: Listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network.
4: Dr. Peter McCullough will be our guest shortly. We are endeavoring to get that coordinated, which gives me a moment to double back on something. When Ted Cruz came to the Senate, he was elected in November of Twenty twelve. Actually, he was elected in. Uh, uh, no, it was it was November of twenty twelve, and he took office in in two thousand thirteen. That was um, the beginning of the second term of Obama. He didn't. Obama could could try to get away with a lot of things that he did, couldn't do his first term because he would be up for reelection against Romney. So when Cruz came in. Read immediately along with John McCain because Cruz was was not being sufficiently collegial. This is a, a an inner circle group of folks. These are guys that that self deal. You know the Republicans and the Democrats. And here came Cruz, the turd in the punch bowl. You know he's he's coming in and and saying, hey, let me tell y'all what's really happening. And they hated it. They would frequently point out that he would oppose things and he would lose 99 to 1. And people would say, Yeah, you can't get along with anybody up there. That's a feather in your cap to me. I don't want you to go there and get along. Jim Jordan's going to be our guest later in the show. Jim Jordan doesn't get along with Ken Singer and Liz Cheney and all the other establishment Republicans. The Lincoln Project doesn't think Jim Jordan's a good guy. I don't want, I'm tired of nobody thought Trump was going to get along with the Republicans. That's not why we sent him there. It's not their job. Them getting along, government working, quote unquote, is not in our favor. It's not something we need. When they're working, we're not. I recently read that uh, six of the seven, now it's five, another and I'm not sure which of the counties uh, uh, replaced them, but five of the seven richest counties in America immediately surround Washington, D.C., That's not technological advancement. That's not industrial prowess. That's lobbying and living off the government. When you're creating wealth, you're taking it from others. You're not developing new products. You're not developing new systems, new technologies. This is not what Elon Musk is doing or what Steve Jobs did or Even as much as I can't stand him, what Bill Gates did, what a number of industrialists in America's past have done, it's not even as useful as high finance or Wall Street. I mean, this is a negative, nasty thing, and that's what's happening. Well, Cruz was trying to be nice enough, but I don't want to be nice. I want to remind you. Here is Harry Reid talking about something that happened during that 2012 election. Now, remember, Obama is up for re-election, and he's very unpopular. He's the first president in modern polling that has a greater negative than positive. It doesn't look like he's going to get re-elected. The Democrats can't be out of power because they live off of government power. This isn't public service to them. So Harry Reid holds a press conference. And Harry Reid says that he has a close friend in the IRS who tells him that Mitt Romney's not paying his taxes. The media figures, that's a pretty bold move. Harry Reid with all these years in public service, it's all he's ever done. Harry Reid wouldn't say that unless it was true. Somebody kind of half-heartedly said, well, can you tell us who it is? Can't do that. I can't compromise that. man. He's a hero. He's a whistleblower. So they ran with the story. And they go to Mitt Romney. And I want you to imagine, if you're accused of something you didn't do, how would you prove you didn't do it? It's pretty hard to do. Not an easy thing to do. Especially when they're claiming they have inside information. And Mitt Romney had been involved with, with private equity, venture capital, Pretty complicated tax return, not like yours or mine. We got a, a home mortgage, and if you have kids, um, then, you know, then, then you have uh, some some child care That's about that's about all most people have. But Mitt Romney has entire firms doing his taxes because it's a pretty complicated set of business interests across a lot of states, a lot of entities, a lot of depreciation and and the like investments. So when when Harry Reid does that it was believed and it turned it turned the narrative on Romney to being a guy who's not only rich which a lot of people even some republicans don't like people that are rich not only is he rich he's not paying taxes he's not paying taxes and I am that led to a level of resentment because That late in a campaign, you can't drive up Barack Obama's positives. He's president. They put in place Obamacare. It was terrible. Things were bad. He clearly dislikes America. It's it's what they call masochistic nationalism. It's the opposite of positive nationalism. We talked about that yesterday. Obama is a bad guy, and America doesn't like him. Our experiment with the uh, post-racial, post-partisan president, led us right back to nasty machine politics based on racial hatred and division. So Romney's going to win. So you had to drive up Romney's negatives. You had to make people resent him. Here's Harry Reid. Once it is revealed that, oh, yeah, I just made that whole thing up. You made that whole thing up? You lied to the nation? And and changed a, a, an ele- an, a, a presidential election like that. And here's how here's how contrite he was about that.
1: Let him prove that he has paid taxes because he hasn't. I don't regret that at all.
7: Some people have even called called it McCarthyite. Well, they call it whatever they want. Well, he didn't win, did he?
4: He didn't win, did he? The end justifies the means. Just remember that when you hear the nasty when you see the, the nice stories written about that very nasty man. He also did something very nasty to Rush Limbaugh several years before. There was what came to be known, and some of you will remember, as the Phony Soldiers incident. Rush was talking to someone, I think his name was Jesse Macbeth, claimed to have seen war atrocities claimed to have been a uh, a, a war veteran turns out later that was a lie not not only was that a lie but let me see uh the phony soldiers controversy in 2007 rush was speaking with a caller on his program about phony soldiers like jesse Macbeth. well they came out and said he's calling our soldiers phony no jesse Macbeth was phony He had falsely claimed to have seen war crimes, and he was eventually ultimately convicted for for receiving veterans benefits to which he was not entitled. Rush was talking about him being a phony veteran. He was. Harry Reid got 40 senators to sign a letter demanding that Clear Channel, which was what the company that Rush worked for at the time, that they admonish him and take him off the air. Rush said, the effort here is simply to discredit people that they consider effective and powerful on the right, ginning up, leading up to the 08 elections. They cannot beat us in the arena of ideas. They cannot challenge what we say and refute it and come out on top. So this is the anatomy of a smear. Harry Reid spent his career in public, public life convincing Americans that other Americans they were going to vote for were bad people committing smears he was a bad man he was what was wrong with politics in america i feel sad for his family that he passed but please spare me the he was a good man engaged in public service he was what was wrong what is still wrong with american politics and it's time we say that I'm Michael in for Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton.
3: Clay and Buck, inspired by Rush, the next generation, because it's just too important on the EIB Network.
0: Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone.
1: There's no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last
0: Just go to puretalk.com slash clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash clay to switch to the cell phone company my family relies on Pure Talk.
1: Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals.
0: With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable, Visit gcu.edu.
4: I'm Michael Berry, in for Clay Travis and Buck Sexton all week. Our guest is not Peter McCullough. We're working to get Dr. McCullough on this, his 59th birthday. His discussion with Joe Rogan recently, I'm told, was the most downloaded podcast in American history, And, of course, that would mean the most downloaded podcast in Joe Rogan's history of almost 2000, I believe. It set off a firestorm of conversation. I've listened to it, and I've listened to a podcast about that podcast episode. I've read reviews. I've read what critics say about Peter McCullough. There's nothing about the man and what he said. If you look at the text of what he said that is objectionable, if we truly believe in the idea of the scientific method, if we truly believe that you want people with experience to step forward and offer opinions, then why on earth are we so determined to censor people? Why on earth are we so determined with people like this when they say something that Twitter or Facebook or Fauci or Biden doesn't like? Why is it so important to silence them? That speaks of a lack of confidence. That speaks of of an inability and an unwillingness to open the conversation to different perspectives, which builds support. That's why people don't support this. My doctor, who came to be my doctor after I interviewed her about this subject, heck, I don't know, a year ago when she first became nationally famous on the issue. Mary Tally Bowden is our guest. Dr. Bowden... I know that you're part of the America's Frontline Doctors. I know Dr. Peter McCullough has talked a lot about this. He may be a part of that. I know that Dr. Verone is one of these. Who are America's Frontline Doctors?
7: Well... I'm actually more aligned with the frontline critical care community, Um, but we all believe basically in the same thing, which is that early treatment for COVID-19 is effective and uh, should be used.
4: And should be used. Before we get, I want to ask you, Dr. McCullough is a huge fan of hydroxychloroquine, and I know you're a huge fan of ivermectin. Do you prescribe hydroxychloroquine? Do you think it works? Is it part of a treatment plan?
7: It is. I start with ivermectin in in people with more severe cases or higher risk factors. I also use hydroxychloroquine.
4: But you seem to have a preference for ivermectin as a treatment.
7: Uh, I just it's been used across the world, it's, you know, widely used in Africa. I have been following the FLCCC's treatment protocols more closely, it's just what I'm more comfortable with, um, but there's, there's no reason not to include hydroxychloroquine in the regimen as well, I just start with ivermectin and add it if necessary.
4: Ivermectin is expensive. Hydroxychloroquine isn't. Is hydroxychloroquine something people should be taking throughout this? Is ivermectin something if someone can get a hold of, they should be taking or is this at the early onset of symptoms?
7: Well, it's, you know, there's no one size fits all to any of this, which is what the government doesn't believe and the government would tell you otherwise. You know, I don't make everybody take something prophylactically for COVID. It depends on their anxiety level, how much they're traveling, um, what their risk factors are, um, if they can afford to take something prophylactically. Uh, so I it's an individual decision, um, and uh, I do think it's important to be prepared if you – are to get COVID and just to have everything you need. I don't know that everybody needs to be taking something prophylactically, though.
4: But you do believe that at the early onset of symptoms, you should start taking these things?
7: Definitely, yes.
4: And how important to the early treatment is sunlight, vitamin D, zinc, exercise, weight loss,
7: well, ideally, we'd be doing that before we got COVID to begin with to decrease our risk of even getting it. Um, obesity and age are the number one and two risk factors for progressing to severe disease or catching COVID. So, you know, if you haven't started, then go ahead and get started on your weight loss and health regimen. Um, vitamin D is its a wonderful um, discovery that the importance of vitamin D, because it's such an easy thing to do for our health. Um, And it's interesting that, I think the last time I talked to you, um, I had just found out that the insurance companies will no longer pay to have the vitamin D level checked um, if the diagnosis is COVID. Uh, You have to make up some other diagnosis to get them to pay for it.
6: What would be,
4: let's assume, let's not be conspiracy theorists for a moment. Let's give them an out. What would be a reason they would say that?
7: Um, You mean a valid reason, like a positive reason? I don't have no idea. Well, no, I mean it is. I mean it could be. It's a couple hundred dollars if you're paying cash. Um, I mean, according to them, but yeah, I mean it. It could simply just be there's so much demand for it now. They they want to control their costs. That could be it. That's the okay. So there there
4: is their reason. It, It it is a cost control. And and that is an understandable thing that insurance companies are looking to do. You told me off air that 82 percent of your patients uh, who've tested positive, I guess, this week were vaccinated. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Eighty two percent of them were vaccinated. So that means that the folks getting the virus now are much more likely to be people that are vaccinated than unvaccinated.
7: Yeah, and people will say, well, how many people walking into your clinic are vaccinated because if everybody's vaccinated then and, and you know, but uh in our county 57% or 53% of people in our county are vaccinated. So yeah, it it suggests that you're more likely to get covid if you've been vaccinated.
4: Hold right there. Which brings up the question Is this even really a vaccine? Why did they change the definition of a vaccine? Dr. Mary Talley Bowden is our guest coming up. I'm Michael Berry, and for Clay and Buck.
3: You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report.